Telling you if he has called you here for a season for Bible school and, and, and you don't want you don't feel like you want to be serving in every capacity there is. You need to just shake yourself and slap yourself upside the head and realize that even while you're scrubbing the toilets and picking up trash here, you are serving the you are serving the kingdom of God. You are, in fact, learning to yield to the anointing. You are, in fact, learning to hear from the voice of God. You are, in fact, being promoted from heaven because heaven. Heaven sees every deed you do. It doesn't matter if everybody doesn't know what you do. Because heaven knows everything that you've done. And in due season, heaven's going to be the one to send you there. And when heaven sends you, hey, guess what? Nobody can stop you. Amen. But if you wait till a man sends you with a great word, then what happens when the man calls you back two days later and says, he missed God? Oh, or what happens if the person prophesies you in the middle of Iran, where you get shot in three days? We've got to learn to hear God. We've got to learn to honor God ourselves. Well, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church tonight. Jesus, you know, and many people, you know, they come and in the presence of God, you know, well, you know, God owes me something. God owes me to promote me. God owes me because I've been sowing and sowing and sowing. So let me tally it up. 30, 60, 100 fold. Just a quick math. Jesus is behind. He's behind. I heard somebody say you can't outgive God. Well, look at the numbers. I feel like I'm outgiving God. Well, you're not because the very breath you're breathing is the breath that he gave you. Every bit that you ever earn is because he allows you to earn it. Amen. Everything you have is because he created it to begin with. He is the creator of heaven and earth. Amen. Well, why, why, why do I got to serve God? What has he ever done for me? Well, first and foremost, Jesus came to this earth and he, he paid the price for your sin. You ever been blamed for something somebody else has done? Have you ever been blamed for something somebody else did or wrongly accused of something? And you know how bad that hurts? Well, Jesus was wrongly accused for all the sin of the world. And he didn't stop. At any time, he could have called down the entire host of heaven because he was justified to do so. Because he was, in fact, the king of kings. But yet he did not do that, did he? No, because for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Why? Because he counted you worth it. That's what Jesus did for you. So, yeah, you should honor him first and foremost. Your life should be centered around lifting his name up because he was the one that paid the ultimate price for you. Amen. It's not like we got to get a paycheck from King Jesus and then we decide to honor him. No, I'm going to honor God even if he never gave me a single dime all my life because he already gave me everything he's got to give me. He gave me eternal life. And this life's but a vapor, man. Big whoop if I don't see it on this side. Because when I cross over into glory, I'm kicking up my heels like a cow into a fresh pasture, baby. Woo! you to run your race. Not based upon somebody else's word and not so that you can make yourself out to be something you're not. Not so that you can make yourself out to be a big hot shot. Some people come in here, they've got all the gifts, they've got all the talents, but yet they've got a big old whopping head too. Head so big they can't get through the doors. And they wonder why I'm always spinning. Why am I just walking and not going anywhere? Because you're stuck in the door jam. Because you haven't humbled yourself and allowed God to put you where you need to be. Amen. John 5, 
44. How can you believe which receive one of one of another, which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? We've got to seek the honor from God. If God's honoring you, then you know what? Nothing else matters. People can be angry at it, but they can't act. They can't take it away from you. They can be upset at how prosperous you are, how blessed you are, how doors open for you, how there's favor in your life. They can just look at that. But as long as they keep looking, they might get mad. But eventually they have to come to the contest that, well, you know what? They're honoring God in their life and they're blessed. So maybe I should just start doing the same in mine. Psalm 8, verse 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou hast visited him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-one: He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness, and honor. Proverbs 22, 4. But by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Proverbs eight seventeen through 21. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the past of justice, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, and that I may fill their treasuries. Come on. Come on. That's a great promise, isn't it? My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold. Amen to that. Because what good is gold if you're, if you're stranded out in the desert with no water and you got a big sack of gold right there, huh? Gold ain't really going to do anything for you, is it? But prayer, maybe you just strike a rock and the spring bubbles up. Amen. See, the favor of God on your life is worth more than all the money in the world. That's what most people will never get that actual fact. Most people never do. The majority of people are still centered around, well, the prosperity and the blessing has got to be cash. It's got to be money. You keep God in the box. It's always got to be money. He's got to come through. Lord, give me money so that I can do this. And he's just saying, go and do it. And whatever you need, ask me for it and I'll give it to you. Amen. What do you need? You need a new car? Well, why are you asking for money? Just say, Lord, I need a new car. I mean, God might turn around and give you a brand new Mercedes when you were asking for six grand to buy an Impala. Hey! Bless God, I own an Impala, so I can say that. Now, really, I just learned that through the years. You know, money's actually worthless. It is. It's paper anyways. It's just paper. I mean, wow, look at this paper. It's so great. And they print it by the by the, the boatload, so to speak. But the favor of God, the favor of God now, now that's what it's all about. Luke 4, verse 18. You want to turn with me there? Luke 4, 18 says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? 
And he said unto him, you will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. And whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said unto them, verily I say unto you that no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I'll tell you of a truth, that many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet. And none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. What's Jesus saying to them here? Here he gets up and he reads to them. Spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And the people are actually mad and upset. And they start murmuring amongst themselves. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is this just, is this is Mary's son? I mean, come on here. Here in Mark 6 verse 4. Different interp- different gospel saying that Jesus says unto them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. See, what I'm showing you tonight, Jesus turns to them and says, you know what? There were many widows in the time of famine, but the only one that got the miracle was the one that honored the man of God. You see how it works? It's honor-based. When you honor God, you turn around and you get God's blessing and honor back on your life. And nothing, nothing can take that away from you. It could be the greatest famine on earth. But if you would honor God, if you would put Him first, then God's got your miracle and He's going to find the person to send it your way. Amen. Well, many lepers at the time of Naaman, but which one got the miracle, baby? The one that came and humbled himself in front of the man of God and did the most simplest thing. He went and dipped seven times in the river. So here we have a chance in our lives. In 2013, a brand new year where you can start fresh. The past is past, baby. What was, is it was, but now is a new day. Today is the day that you can once again just ignite that fire on the inside of you. Draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough. Never again am I backing down. I'm not cooling off. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow myself to be distracted this year to the left or to the right because somebody comes and murmurs about me or talks behind my back and I hear about it through the grapevine bless god say what you want because i'm focused i'm focused on the kingdom of god there is a great work to be done in this nation and if we spend our whole lives trying to feel good about ourselves then we miss the opportunity to go out and preach the gospel and see life touched and changed by the power of the living god when we honor God, God honors us and nobody can rob that from you. And it is, it is going to blow the roof off the place. It'll blow the top off the lid of your little thinking that you've thought for so many years that I am blessed because of this. No, when you just press in a little bit deeper and go a little bit more and do a little bit more for the kingdom of God than when he turns around and pours out a blessing, there is not room enough to receive it. Amen. There's so much blessing that you sit there giggling yourself till three in the morning thinking, who can you turn around and bless a little bit of this on? Hey. That's what a blessing is. Amen. It's not just so you can just sit there and buy an Armani suit and click your brand new Dulce and Gabbana's together. No. So you can be a blessing to other people. So Jesus tells them here, he says, listen, 
Many people in this room tonight have need of a miracle. Many people in this room tonight have need of a breakthrough. But I'll tell you this. If you honor God, if you put God first and foremost in your life, then you are going to see that breakthrough. Maybe if nobody else ever does, you will see it. That I can guarantee you. You put him first. You honor God. God will honor you. You say, what honors God? I'm glad you asked. I was waiting on that. I felt the question was rising in the crowd, so I went ahead and spoke it. You know what I mean? I was seeing over here, this person was murmuring. Well, what honors God? This person over here, well, what honors God? This person right here, what honors God? Tell me, please. You've got me stirred up now. Let's talk about this honor a little bit more. I want to do that. That sounds good to me. Amen. Hey. <laughs> so I'm glad you asked tonight because I'm prepared to answer that. Hey, what honors God? Giving to God honors him. Oh, come on now. That's right. You can take a little old silly dollar bill and turn it into honoring God. Hey. It doesn't get any better than that, does it? You can take a paper fake thing and make it something that just blesses God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. That sounds like a good deal to me. Hey, so when we give, you're giving us always as unto the Lord. It's not just because it's in an offering at a church that it's unto the Lord. But if you give to your wife, it's not really giving us unto the Lord. I mean, no, we be givers. We got to give. We give. As God leads in places in our heart. And if we spend, if we just give all to the, always to the church and then everybody close to us, we just make them suffer. No, you're going to starve this week so we can give in the church. Come on. That's not God's perfect plan. You know what I mean? We honor, but all our giving is unto the Lord. So we have that chance to give, always giving to God, whatever it is. I mean, every, I mean, when you, when you take an offering, you know, it's holy. You realize that it's not just plunk 20 bucks in the plate and see what happens. It's not like you're buying a lottery ticket and hoping this is the one that really gets the 30, 60, 100 fold ah, in the life. This is holy as unto the Lord. This is you saying, God, you are worth this and more to me. And if you bless me more, you pray, Lord, if you give me more seed, watch this. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to give you more because you mean that much to me. God, what, what is it you want from me today? What is it? Because maybe he doesn't even want your five dollar bill. Maybe he wants you to open up your mouth and preach the gospel to your neighbor. Hey. Maybe he wants you to go over to the person that's been struggling for years with alcoholism and give them your testimony and lay hands on them and pray for them. Hey, maybe that's what God wants you to do. There's many ways to honor God. Praying to him, praying to God is honoring God. You are spending time with him. Amen. I like in this, you know, prayer is a two way street. You realize this, that you pray and then you wait on the answer. Many people, you know, they're just like like a. Holy Ghost assault weapon there. And they never get an answer. You know what I mean? I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, maybe if you'd shut up and listen, you might know. I tried to tell you this the other day to turn left and you were busy driving and you wouldn't. And you didn't turn left. So we missed our turn. So same with God. Pipe down a little bit and listen. Amen. Pray and expect him to speak back. And then maybe you might hear something. And God just doesn't talk to me. And he didn't Well, nobody talks to you because you just talk. 
Amen. Seeking Him. When you seek God, you are honoring God. Hey, when you seek out the Lord daily, daily, Lord, I want more of you. Lord, I, I just love you. How are you seeking the Lord? Well, one thing, reading the Word is seeking, getting to know Him. There's the Word right there. His blood, sweat, and tears have been poured into this Word for you to pour it and then to get in the inside of you. So when you seek after God, you spend time in His Word. You spend time alone with Him. You spend time in the presence of the Lord. You turn on worship music. If you're like me and you can't carry a tune in a bucket, you crank it real loud so you can belt it out and not offend yourself. You know what I mean? That's what I do. I just make it so loud I don't even hear myself. And then I just... And if somebody came and turned it off, then it'd be like, oh my gosh, who's killing a cat in this place? Hey, turn that back on. I'm seeking him. He likes it. <laughs> he made me this way. It's his fault. It's funny, you know, the people that can sing don't and the people that can't sing do. I'm like singing all the time. I'm like, ah. The thing I'm praying is that it doesn't rub off on my kids. You know what I mean? I'm like always telling Kirsten, you need to teach them how to sing so they're not singing like me and mimicking me. It'd be terrible. Obeying God is honoring God. Amen. Like that lady I told you, gave you the testimony when God spoke to her about something and she ignored it. And then she went five years with not hearing his voice and was totally distraught until she prayed one more time. Lord, what would you have me give tonight? And he spoke to her again. When we obey the Lord, we're honoring him. You know, the Bible even goes so far as to say that obedience is better than sacrifice. So it tops it off. You can give everything. But if you're not even going to obey the call of God on your life, you're not going to ever see anything. You've got to obey the Holy Spirit. I mean, you never know what the Holy Spirit is going to keep you from, protect you from, lead you to. I mean, some of the most awesome things can take place in a spirit-filled believer's life if you're just open to the Spirit of God. And then he'll tell you, turn down this alley and preach to this person. I mean, you know, I heard when we were in Africa in 2009, this guy was telling us a testimony about Smith Wigglesworth that his friend apparently was a driver for. And they were riding in northern England or whatever. In the back of the car, Smith Wigglesworth is back there with his Bible, and he's just driving. And he said, pull over. And we're in the middle of nowhere in the country, so he pulls the car over. And he, Smith Wigglesworth just opens the door and gets out and takes off walking real quick across this field in the middle of nowhere. The driver doesn't know what to do, so he locks the thing up, takes off running, and catches up with him just as he's going over this hill on the far side of a pasture. And on the other side of the hill was this little tiny sheep herder camp. A little tent was pitched there with two men on the inside that had just prayed and said, God, if you are real, then send somebody to tell us who you are. And Smith Bugles worked, walked right in, led him to the Lord. I think he gave him his Bible, turned around and walked right out. Amen. You see, there's this whole realm that we got to get to as the church. God spoke to me in 2013 to contend for the supernatural. Amen. But you know what you got when, when you're contending for the supernatural? It's not just believing for miracles and stuff because you got to wade through all the crazy stuff out there. You know what I mean? Half of contending for the supernatural is, is trying to break people from trying to bring out flashlights at meetings and look for gold teeth manifestations and stuff like that. Did you get a gold tooth? Did you get a gold tooth? You're laughing, but this is... Hey... Getting ready for the move of God 101. That's what happens. People get a little weird. 
And you know, the anointing in the Spirit of God when it's on somebody doesn't make them a, a fruitcake. You know, some people, they're, they're so weird and you know, that that's, that's not God. You know, you can be, you can be totally anointed. You can be, you can be drunk in the Holy Ghost, but yet you're not a, a lunatic where you can't even minister to somebody because you're drunk in the Holy Ghost and such a, no. No, you're not drunk in the Holy Ghost. You're in some weird physical manifestation. Because if there's somebody there asking you about Jesus and you're too cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs to lead them to them, then that ain't the Holy Ghost, baby. It's not. So we honor God. You know, when you honor somebody, you put some work into it. You know what I mean? You, when you think about a marriage proposal. I thought about this, this, you know, when you, when you're about to get married, you really hopefully honor the person you're, you're going to marry. You know, hopefully you didn't just go down to the pawn shop and pick up the cheapest ring and throw it over a quarter pounder meal at McDonald's. Here, what you think? Yeah. Three people are just like, how did he know I did that? My gosh. You put some effort into a marriage proposal. You know what I mean? You do. Like when I was going to propose to Kirsten, I spent the whole summer working in this cabinet shop. And after hours, I decided I was going to build her this beautiful, solid wood, walnut and cherry hope chest. I mean, I put some effort. This was, there was money involved. I mean, there was time involved. There was much effort into building this. And she thought, she kept calling me like, that guy is working you to death over the summer. You need to quit. He's treating you bad. Meanwhile, I'm actually just working to build her this, you know, but I'm like, yeah, I know it's so terrible. (laughs) So I built this beautiful hope chest and I put a shelf in the inside and then I got the ring, you know, that I kind of Talk to her about, you know how you do, you know, roundabout way. What, what kind of ring do you like? And you know, try and work that way. And so I got the ring that I thought she wanted, that she liked, and I put it in there. And so at Christmas time, you know, I had it all with a sheet over the thing. And I said, you know, here's your Christmas present. And so she pulls it back and sees this beautiful chest. And she's like, wow. And I said, open it. And as she opens it, I dropped to one knee and I said, hey, will you marry me? And she was so speechless, she actually never said yes. Until the day came, and then she said yes, amen. I mean, I heard about, you know, another friend of mine, they might be watching tonight, they were just telling us in Alaska that when he wanted to propose to his wife, he wrote her this whole song. Now, I didn't attempt this because we know my singing ability, and she would have ran. So he wrote her a song, and he, he got all her friends and everybody downtown and took, went to this favorite coffee shop, got them to take her there. And then when she was in there getting her coffee, he had them say something like, oh my gosh, you got to come quick. Oh, and there's a crazy person on the street. And so she comes running out, you know, the, not knowing what to expect. And he's there with his guitar all suave, you know. <laughs> and starts singing her this song that he wrote for her, you know. And she's crying and this big crowd gathers around. You know, it's this beautiful moment. You know, so when we honor somebody, we actually spend some, you put some effort into it. Amen. So if you say you honor God, then you're putting effort behind your relationship with him is what I'm trying to teach you tonight and point out to you. We, we have this opportunity every day. We have the opportunity to honor God and to go further in the, in the kingdom of God. We, we can do it by going into his presence. And I'm many people. The biggest hold up they're ever going to have in life is the fact that they think that they cannot be used by God because they've made too many mistakes. 
Now, I probably was one of these people at one time. And I got this quote here that I heard recently from JFK that said, a mistake does not become a failure until one fails to correct it. You know, just because you make a mistake doesn't mean you're totally out, never going to be ever used by God. You just humble yourself, you repent, you turn around and you get back on track. Amen. And like Pastor was saying this morning, you forget the things which are behind. Don't keep everybody that, you know, Paul was saying that. Here's Paul, a person that was persecuting to the, the church unto death, killing the people. So when he gets on fire, naturally he was totally radical because he was on the other side and knew how radical the opposition was. So he knew he had to step it up a little bit more and just go all the way. You know what I mean? All the way. When you're on the other side and know what people are thinking about you, then you totally radically get set free. Now, Paul had a revelation most people never did he knew how bad people were opposed to this move so he knew he had to just crank it up and just go all the way even unto death but paul said this this one thing i do forgetting the things which are behind when people were accusing him and talking to him about the fact that he used to he was he was killed he killed the jews and he killed the church and he persecuted the church well this one thing i do he said forgetting those things which are behind i press forward towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of god in christ jesus We can't allow the past to just weigh on us and never do anything for God. You know, in Psalm 51, it says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Psalm 34 says the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. And the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. And many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones, and not one of them is broken. Amen. You know, that's why many of the people use mightily of God. If you look throughout history, it names Amy Simple McPherson, John G. Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, people that are just towering figures in the, in the church history of men and women. That just seemed set apart. As just, they just seemed to have God's ear and did mighty exploits in His name. Who, why is it? Many of those people, you think they had a free run up the side? No, actual fact, most of those are the ones that went through a lot ahead of time. John G. Lake, a man used mightily of God to start many churches across South Africa. Grew up in a family of about 17 kids, I believe. And in his diaries, he wrote that there was near, hardly ever a day in my house... That there was not somebody sick, dying, or dead. What did God give him? A miraculous ministry of supernatural healings. So everybody was healed and nobody ever died around John G. Lake. No, actual fact, he lost his wife. She died too. Now he'd seen her healed before, but she died. What then? Does he quit? Does he back off? Does he just, no, my God failed me this time. I'm not going to be used by God. You see, when, when hardship comes, when, when things come against you, you either have the choice to buckle and fall or just, just dig your feet in a little bit further, brace for impact, baby, and as soon as you feel that resistance stop, start running again. I mean, come on, somebody. Well, who cares? The opposition's going to come. If you call yourself a Christian, then I tell you this. It is going to be opposed in this world. You are going to have times when there's opposition. It's just going to come against you just because you call yourself a Christian. Now, you might even be scarcely saved and just referring to yourself as that. But you're still going to see the opposition. So how much more opposition should you expect if you really want to press into the kingdom of God and see great things done in his name? Hey, it's going to be tried. It's going to be tried. 
You're going to go through some stuff. You're going to go through some battles. You're going to go through some ups. You're going to go through some downs. You're going to go through some valleys on your way to the next mountaintop. But Billy Graham said it like this. He said, you know what? Mountaintops are for vision and perspective, but the fruit is grown in the valley. It's in those times when you're going through all hell and think you can't go any further, that there that relationship with God goes to another level. Because when you think that He's above you, and oh, He's going to come through any time, He's going to lift me up, and you're looking for the hand of God, and then you realize actual fact, He is not above you, about to lift you up. That even in the muck and the mire and the ditch that you are in, He's standing right beside you in it. He never left you. He never left you. He was with you even when you didn't want to be with you. God never forsakes you. That's why we must honor Him and give Him everything. And never back off. Don't allow somebody to come in and sway you from this. Oh, you're one of those tongue-talking people. Are you sure about that? And everybody wants to apologize suddenly. Well, you know, do a little apologetic back, backdrop. Or backstep about the things of God. Well, you know, I do pray in tongues, but it's just, you know, as the Spirit leads. You know, I do believe in this as prosperity, and I do believe in miracles. No! Just look at them and smile and say, yeah. <laughs> I pray in tongues. Yeah, I believe in prosperity. Yeah, I believe in miracles. Yeah, I believe in deliverance. Yeah, I believe the gospel's the power of God. Yeah, I've seen people's lives change. Yeah, we're going to preach this gospel. Absolutely, I'm going to do it. I'm not doing it because it's popular. I'm doing it because he told me to do it. So that honors God. If God told us to go into the world and preach the gospel, it's suddenly a lot like naming the leper, isn't it? Because that's pretty simple to do. You don't even need a microphone. You don't need a public anything. You don't even need a dollar bill in your pocket. You can go out there dead broke at a McDonald's parking lot and lead somebody to the Lord. You can fulfill the Great Commission with absolutely nothing except what God has already given you. So you see how simple it is? But everyone, everybody wants to romanticize it and then get in this like, oh, well, God's going to, he's, when God calls me, it's going to be great. I'm going to be, you know, launched out and all this stuff. No, you're never going to launch anywhere. Until you learn to do what God's prompting you to do where you're at. You know, one of the things people accuse me of, so to speak, I guess it's an accusation, is that they say, you know, you preach to ten people like you're preaching to three thousand. And I'm like, well, I didn't know you had to wait till there was three thousand people to preach like this. You know, I just thought you're going to preach, you're going to preach. I mean, just preach, man. Not waiting until a crowd for, for me to feel like now I'm going to crank it up. Bless God, it's a packed night tonight. Been wa- I had a great sermon I've been waiting on and just feeding them little, little bits until I got the crowd. <laughs> now I got them. Watch out. Honey, get the suit out. That's right. Packed crowd tonight. I keep this one in reserve. <laughs> Go ahead and just spray, the, spray paint a thunderbolt in my hair, babe. I'm going to crank it up tonight. Ha! Amy Simple McPherson was used mightily of God, you know. Actual fact, they say that she has the most secular accounts of divine healings taking place in her meetings than any person beside, and previous or beyond. 
the most secular accounts of just newspapers, everything coming to the meetings and seeing miracles take place. So this very popular woman in the media used, used mightily of God, started a church, started a denomination, the Foursquare, and just used hugely of God, of course, persecuted later in her latter years, accused of stuff. But, you know, I'm not saying she did it or anything. Hey, I know that if you're going to be used by God, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to have opposition. But she lost her husband. You know, she was married. The simple came from her first husband. He was a man of God, a Pentecostal preacher that she married. And they traveled to China to do a missionary journey over there. She was pregnant with, with child. And just, I think it was one month after them arriving there, he fell dead of malaria, I believe, or some type of fever. Something took him out, just died. And she had the same thing, but she recovered with child. One month after he passed away, she gave birth to, her, to their child. Came back to America. Now, she could have quit, hey? I mean, at this time, at this time period, to be a woman, going by yourself and preaching, please. That's this crazy talk. That's, that's heresy, isn't it? But she didn't back off. She was going to honor God. She was going to serve Him. Her husband might have been taken from her. She might have went through this. She might have went through that. But you know what? She pressed forward. And she kept going into the things of God. Now, I gave a short testimony, but... I think one time here, but a lady that we met in St. Petersburg, Florida, just down the road, was watching the Great Awakening in 2011, live on television, and called the prayer line. She had been suffering from fibromyalgia for two years and was homebound. She never went out. She had to wear things on her hands. She was ashamed. She had this testimony of she used to do a lot of crazy stuff, and she felt she could never be used by God, and hid herself, walked up in the house for two years. Watching the great awakening, it stirred in the inside of her to pick up the phone and call the prayer line. The prayer operator prayed for her instantly. She was healed by the power of God. Fibromyalgia no more. Amen. And on top of that, sweet old Baptist lady got filled with the Holy Ghost. Praying in tongues. She was so excited about it, she tried to call her daughter. Tell her daughter about what had happened, that God healed her and that... Now, she got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but picking up the phone, her daughter says, Mom, is that you? And all she could do was pray in tongues. So she was trying her best to talk to her daughter, but she's like, So her daughter's like, Mom, is that you? I hear it. And then, boom, the power of God hits her daughter, and she starts praying in the Holy Ghost over the phone, baptizing the Holy Ghost. Hey. So we meet them in these meetings, and she's going out on the streets with us. And I mean, you want to talk about somebody on fire for God. She is totally, radically on fire for God. And I mean, I'm talking in a dry climate. Now, it's one thing to be on fire when everybody's on fire. But it's another thing to be on fire when everybody's a bunch of wet blankets around you. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? So she's on fire, and one of the church members comes up to her and says, You know what? You just need to calm down. You just need to just back off a little bit because you're really starting to offend some of us here. And she said, you know what? I looked at her and I said, I don't need to calm down. You need to get on fire. And that's true. You see, we've got to get past the place of just being on fire when it's popular and just serving God when we're in a majority of people here at the river. It's so easy. But wait wait till you're out on your own and you're in some dead church. And what then? Huh? Do you have what it takes? Then? 
The only way you're going to have what it takes is if you honor God and put God first. You've got to just, you've got to put everything, all of your stock in what God thinks about you. And never back off because of what man thinks. And never bow to what man says. And never buckle just because there's a little bit of opposition and just because there's some hardship. You keep marching. You keep going. You keep serving the Lord. You keep honoring the Lord. And you know what? He's going to honor you. Second Samuel chapter 6. Verse 16, now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michelle, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the men and the women, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Michelle, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious! Was the king of Israel today? You got to say it in a mocking tone. You know what I mean? How glorious! Now I lost my place. <laughs> Was the king of Israel today uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself? So David bowed his head and apologized to his wife and said, "Baby, I'm never going to do it again because I am—I can't believe I got carried away with myself." It's a good story. No, David said, Michelle, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord and over Israel. And therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this. Hey, somebody. I will be humble in my own sight, but as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Look at that. He didn't back off. He didn't apologize. In fact, the very thing she was accusing him of, that he was just going to be debased in front of the people and they were going to think lowly of him. What did he say? No. The maidservants you're speaking about are going to honor me because I'm honoring the Lord. And it is because I honor the Lord that he made me the ruler to begin with. He appointed me as such. So, yes, I'm going to praise my God. Yes, I'm going to lift his name up. Yes, I don't care what people think. I'll dance, I'll twirl, I'll preach, I'll sing. I'll do whatever he asks me to do. As long as I know I'm making him happy. Come on. David honored the Lord first. And I thought about this when I read this, when I first got really... On fire in Nashville, Tennessee, where I came from. I remember they used to send us to all the little churches in the area to do revival. You know what I mean? And we were just an on fire church. So, I mean, they would get all us young people to just get up there a lot like we do our outreaches and do like a five minute or ten minute just preacher testimony. You know, and you know, when you take somebody straight out the world, you know, sometimes they little, little couple four letter words slip and stuff like that. But. You know, so we weren't perfect, you know what I mean? But we were trying, we were getting there. So we'd get up there and be like, you know, half cussing while we preach, you know. And, and I told him to beep off and I'm going to preach the gospel. And the crowd went wild every time, you know what I mean? You know, I've got to love church folk. They're like, <laughs> Woo, he just did it, he did it, you hear it, he did it, he did it. 
But one thing we did was we would do, we would do praise and worship. You know what I mean? Just like at the end of it, we just like the old timey, you know, Pentecostal, dun 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 dun, and everybody be like, yeah. I mean, maybe this is just country folk, but you know, it ain't you ain't worshiping until somebody's going, and you got the arm flapping, and you know what I mean? And I mean, the more you do it, I mean, you just get into it, you know what I mean? And so we would be dancing and dancing, and then next thing you know, jackets fly, you know what I mean? Your suit jacket's just off. Woo! Woo! And, you just, and then the tie's got to come off. The shoes go flying and hit somebody in the head, and they fall out, and you're like, yeah, bless God. I feel it! You felt it! I felt it! And by the end of the night, you know, you're in socks, and you got your dress, your dress slacks on in a t-shirt, and you're just like covered in sweat, but you feel great, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, when you pray, when you lift him up, man, it breaks that spirit of the heaviness. It sets people free. I mean, come on. When you are in his presence, you have an opportunity to just go all the way into the river of God. And if that means dancing before the Lord like David danced, then you know what? Hey, sometimes we got to get a little bit undignified when it comes to pressing in. We can't just be this quiet little, we're in church. Don't you know church is like a library? Trying to concentrate up here and people are laughing. Oh, never come back here. No, we danced before the Lord. We got into it. You know, we had passion before, you know. When you are passionate about something, then you, you just go all the way, don't you? You just go into it. When we honor God, God honors us. And I'm going to wrap up tonight. Turn with me now in Acts chapter 10. Verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation... He that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. A word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses of these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hung on a tree. Him God raised him up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that he is that testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead to him. Give all the prophets witness that through his name, whomsoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Watch this. Verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Amen. I find it interesting, you know, when you read about Cornelius' house, he was a Gentile. But Cornelius was constantly... Giving unto the Lord offerings and alms unto the Lord. The Bible says that it actually went up before the Lord as a memorial before the Lord. So much so that it, it, it got heaven's attention. So that heaven found it so important to visit Cornelius' house that he gave, they gave Peter, knocked Peter out in a trance and gave him a supernatural vision to go and preach the gospel to Cornelius' house. 
And as he was preaching the gospel, the hunger and the inside of Cornelius and his family was so great that even while he yet spake, the Holy Ghost began to fall on them because they were pulling on the presence of God. They were hungry and thirsty. I want to challenge you tonight. In 2013, let it be a year where you go all the way in the things of God, holding nothing back and no longer concerned about people's opinions. You know, when I came here, I was accused of a lot of things from people back in my hometown. They wanted to say I'd be right back to where I was in just a little bit of time. I I wasn't going to really make it. And you know what? You've got to even break past that in your own mind. Some of us are engineered in our mind or whatever that that we want. We're really going to fail. We're going to fail. We're actually not going to make it. We're not going to be able to see God's prosperity. We're not going to be able to serve God all our lives. We're not going to be, we're going to be taken out. We won't make it. But you've got to break past that, the barrier of the mind, whatever the mind says. Tell it to shut up anyways. Shut up, mind. I'm honoring God. Cornelius was so hungry, the Holy Ghost fell on him. Many people were influenced through Jesus' ministry on this earth. Well, I mean, he had thousands that came. He fed thousands. Tons of people influenced. The Bible even says that if we were to write down all the things that Jesus did, that all the books on this earth could not contain it. But who do we read about today now, 2,000 years after the fact? Do we read about the person that sat quietly by? The person that murmured? In their own house saying, I'm going to do something, God, if you do this or I'm going to do that. No, we don't read about any of those people. The people we read about are the people who had faith enough to rip off a roof and lower down their friends. The people we read about are the people that cried out all the more a great deal saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The people we read about. Are the people that pressed through the crowd even when they weren't supposed to be there. Even when everybody was, no, you can't be there. We read about that person, don't we? The one who had faith. The one who believed. The one that pressed through. The one that just decided and made a purpose on the inside of them. They were going to get what they had to get from God to get the job done. If you would just purpose in your heart to get what you need on the inside of you, then when you go forth from here, then you will have it, baby. You've got to stir it up. We read about the ones that crawled out on a limb. We read about the ones that washed his feet with their tears and broke an alabaster box on them. We don't hear about the person that flipped him a penny. No, we hear about the person that gave him that which cost them. When you honor God, you honor Him with everything, every fiber of your being, and not just on a Sunday morning, and not just on a Wednesday night prayer meeting, but you honor Him when nobody even sees you. When it's just you and the Lord, and you call out to Him there, all by yourself in your prayer closet, saying, God, here I am. I'm thirsty. Oh, I'm hungry. Lord, I just want more of you today. Come on. Stir it up tonight. We read about the ones that were hung on a cross, but honored Him still. We read about the ones who forsook all for the call. The ones who were naked and in chains, that cried out for freedom. And we read about the ones that walked on water to be by His side. 2013 is a year for you to go further in the things of God. 
It is a year for you to step up everything you've done. You know, every year we have always tried to outgive our previous year. That's just something I like to do. You know, it just kind of challenges you. You know what I mean? So I intend to do that this year. But every year you can set and challenge yourself to go further. How many more? How many souls are you believing for? How much are you believing to sow? What are you believing to do for God this year? I mean, many people never get passive what they're believing for. You know what I mean? I'm believing for a brand new Ford Festiva. And somebody says, why would you believe for a Festiva? I don't know. It's the first car that came to me. What are you believing to do? Amen.